All right, everybody, welcome back to another episode of the Dog House. Come in, the man, the myth, the legend, Jimmy Rogers. Yeah, the crowd goes wild, Adam. <laughs> Here they are. I know, man. I, I know, I know. They they get all pumped up when they hear it right there, man. <laughs> good to be back, Adam. How you, how you doing, bud? Man, I'm doing great. Um, I'm doing great, and glad to have you on. And uh, yesterday, I sat down with my buddy Thomas Gilpin up in South Carolina. He's a big time hunter, Jim. He told me one of his dog, his old dog, has over fifty thousand retrieves. That's amazing, man. That is amazing. That's truly amazing right there. But you you got to hunt, and you got to flat out get after them to get that done. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. I think that's the truth. I, I had a bird a bird dog one time that was nearing 30,000, and that, I know that was Come on. a lot. Come on. That is incredible. That's yeah. That, that's amazing. That's an amazing number when you – but that dog, all he did his whole life, you know, all went along every day he was hunt. Right, right, right. Yeah, yeah. And you, you, you try hard enough, you can get there. <laughs> but, hey, he's got to have a man with him to do it. And that's kudos to you. That's kudos to Thomas for being out there with their dogs, getting after it. You know, that's what them dogs are on this earth for. And, you know, they got to have us to put them in front of them. You know, uh, that old dog, I don't know if I've ever talked about it. Maybe it just touched on a little bit. I had an English pointer. So blessed to have one of those dogs. His name was Bam. And may, he's the one that, you know, was nearing the 30,000 bird shot over him range. Uh, of course, I guided with him all winter. And then we run we run UFTA trials. I pleasure hunted with him. I mean, he was my dog, you know, and I, I love that dog. And, you know, he, as hard as I, I run him, I know uh, one year down there at the lodge, he ripped his side open, just ripped the skin, and I stapled it back together back there in the uh, mud room. Those guys were all freaked out. I'm like, dude, he's tough, is it? He'd been shot once in the face. He had, he had shot down the side. All in one ear was full of shot. And, you know, that dog lived to be 17 years old. I, I mean. That's what I, I was going to say. He lived to be like 400. Yeah, I mean, he was he was around for now. He was stone blind, not not from being shot, uh, <laughs> but he just he went blind at old age, and uh, it, it was amazing that the dog lived that long. You know that you know he was just and was in really good shape right up till the very end at seventeen years old and and run his whole life. So yeah, it's they're incredible animals. I'll say that, and I'm so blessed that I get to spend my days with them. I, I love it more now than I ever have. I keep saying that, man. Every day I like it more. I'm, I love training these dogs. Absolutely, man. It's a lot of fun, and I enjoy it too. But before we get too uh, deep and interwhelmed here, how about who brings the doghouse to the table, Jim? Let's talk about Sullivan Motors down there in Collins, Mississippi. I'm in a Sullivan Motors uh, GMC right now as we speak. Oh, uh, Georgia Mud Cutter. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Headed from uh, – Headed from Chardon, Ohio to Williamston, Michigan, to run a little master test this weekend. And, and I'm going to tell you something. You get in one of these new trucks, these new. No, oh, dead spot. It's hard to beat. There, there you go. I got you back now. But yes, they're tough to beat, them old Chevys and GMCs are. Yes, sir. <laughs> who, who, who else brings us to the doghouse there, Adam? We got Duck Dog Clothing for all your uh, doghouse gear needs. Go over, hit the doghouse tab, load the basket, baby, bring it on to the house. You got wet mutt, mats, Kong bumpers. I saw today where our buddy Clay Owens up there is is using the um, 
using the cone bumpers. Um, man, I tell you, I love them. They're great. Uh, um, every day. The only problem with them is that she can't keep them fast enough. That's you right. Can't get them across <laughs> yeah. that big pond fast enough. That's right. They're they're amazing products for dang sure. If you ain't using them, you got to give them a try. Yep. Go to Wet Mutt. Um, if you catch them in stock, you know, send those ladies an email saying, "Hey, uh, I like to be notified when they come in." If you don't have any, you will not regret it. Will not. No. Will not regret it. So, Jim, we don't have very long today. We're going to try to knock this thing out. But um, before we do, we have closed in and eclipsed the one hundred thousand download mark. How about how about that, that, pal? Amazing, but that's totally amazing that we've got that kind of kind of audience. I'm so glad, man. I just it's astonishing that that we've done that well. I guess I know I, I don't know if I should say it that way or not, but I'm. I was in New York this past weekend, uh, Connecticut, talking to me, guys from Connecticut, talking to me about the Doghouse Podcast, New Jersey, Maryland, Delaware, uh, all you guys over there on the Northeast, man, it's nice meeting you guys, and thank you for your support in the Doghouse. Everywhere else we go, it's amazing. I, we, I, we hope you're enjoying it, and if you, if you got something, we always say this, man, if there's something you want to talk about here, shoot us a message, me or Adam, either one on Instagram. And we will be glad to uh, to bring it up. So, Absol- thank you all. And it's all about it's all about them listening. Is what the reason we do this? Absolutely. I am I am truly humbled at the fact that people actually care and want to listen to what my old country butt has to say. And you too, Jim. You know, I, I am oh, so I humbled at the fact that people actually listen and want to. Um, yes. Very very very, yeah. very thankful. It means a lot to us to. To hear from you, just like Jim says, if we can ever help, shoot us a question. And actually today, I've got a few things I picked out from Instagram that, that folks have sent over. We're going we're gonna to chat over here for a little bit and before we get going. But, uh, again, yes. just thank you from from me and Jim. Thank you guys for Absolutely. listening Thanks in. Much, Absolutely. Yeah. All right, Jim, so let's talk a little dog training here, okay? Um, I'm in. All right, so fresh in from Instagram, um, I jotted down a few notes here, and we're, we're going to talk through them and get this deal done. But uh, a, a guy asked, what are some of our favorite drills that we like to do? And he wants us to talk about how we set them up, the concepts we're trying to teach when we use that drill and how often we use them. So um, I, I'll start with one of my favorites. Sure. How about that? And and one of my yep. favorite drills is the key relationship drill or key relations drill. I think um, the um, um, guy that did SmartWorks kind of this is more the first place I've seen it, and that is where you have a single mark and you run three or four blinds. A lot I think in the in the diagram he had four, but I, a lot of times I'll put three. But of the four blinds, you have a mark, and then each blind is in a certain relation to it. You have one that's kind of out of the picture. So the mark is at, is at uh, 12 o'clock, and you may run a blind over towards 9 o'clock or 3 o'clock, kind of out of the picture. And then you have a blind that is tight to the back side of the gun, under the arc, and then off the front side of the fall. Um, so that's a drill that I tend to use a lot. Um, and then how you set that up, you just go to a field and, you know, you simplify it relative to the level of dog you're wanting to do. And you can take it from a dog that's just learning these type concepts 
all the way to uh, a master dog, a high-end, high-level dog that can put the mark down and run all of the blinds and then come back and pick the bird up. So it's a great drill that, that I use quite often. Um, and, and setting it up is simple. You just pick you out a mark, and you put your blinds in relation to that mark, and you can pick out different sets of cover, you know, different terrains that will make, make it easier or harder. Um, how, how often do I do this drill? I would say I do this drill um, with my old dogs, probably not as much, but with my younger dogs, I probably do it once a week or once every 10 days or so. Um, and if it's something we're really trying to drill home, we may do it a little more often. But once they start getting it together, you know, I may do it once a week or once every 10 days. Um, yes, sir. And, and the concepts we're attacking there are, you know, your blinds that you have to run relative to a mark. And you're just trying to teach that you're not always going to the same spot when you, when you pick a mark up. You, you can either go out of the picture, you can go behind the gun, under the arc or in front of the, in front of the fall. So um, that's your concepts you're working on. You're trying to get good at all these concepts so no matter where your blind is at the hunt test, you can get that deal done. Yeah. Um, yep. I think I Great drill. I think I covered it up pretty much all of what he said. Oh yeah. Um, yeah, that's well. Did I well did I leave fun. anything out, Jim, on on the on the on, on what a KRD is a key relation drill? No, nothing that I can think of. It sounds to me like you covered it pretty well. It's one of those if somebody's got questions on it, we can always go more in depth. But it's it's important. I get a lot of that through my pattern blind work. I do the same thing, but kind of off the edge of my off the end of my pattern blinds. Right. But it's the whole idea the dog understands each concept, so that way when they face it in the field, they can perform a under the arc blind or a in front of the gun or behind the gun or outside the gun, you know, where there's just not, you know, no relation. And it's key that a dog understands that. So, you you know, that drill just breaks it down where the dog can totally grasp the concept of each one of those. Right. Correct. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. And and it, I, I teach it on my pattern blinds too, but this is putting it into a cold setting in the field. Um, this is really putting sort of rubber meets the road and you really start doing it in a cold setting. Um, yeah, that 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 was my first drill, Jim. Th- what's your favorite drill? My favorite drill, and the one I seem to get the most out of, is the nine point drill. Okay, uh, that that's one that after pattern blinds and starting to run a few cold lamb blinds, just really just right there in that pivotal point of of developing blinds, running that nine point drill, where you have I have a uh, uh, five white pole blinds at about 100 yards and between each one of those I have four long blinds deep of those and the dog learns to line off of each one of those blinds so you do that until they line all nine I I will perfect it till they can do it all at least on one whistle oh wow and if you perfect it to there you can start lining them up pretty good now, I don't have them crammed out there on a pile, in a, all in a pile. You know, I mean, there's some line okay. in there. You know, each one has its own individual line. I have tried it tight. I got nothing out of it. Confusion <laughs> is what I got. High, high, high end confusion. Uh, but spread, spread them out where it's an obvious line. Uh, it takes a big field. I mean, it takes a great big field to do it right. I have 
had clients that have taken their dog in before I got done. And I explained, I said, look, you can do a, a five point, you know, you can put three deep and two up. You can do two up or three up and two back. You know, you, you can, you can do. And, and I'll do it. Like I'll start off. I just run them each once. I'll do left to right to start with. I'll run the left line, second to left, or I'll run the left, the right, the, the second left, the second right. And I bring it to the middle. Is right. how I start off, on it. and then I'll do it left to right, and I'll do it right to left. Uh oh, Jim, you're in a bad spot, buddy. That sometimes that dog don't get a good glimpse of, or not not real sure, or maybe didn't see it all, and you just kind of line them up out there, and and they go right out there and get it. I think a lot of that comes from them understanding the concept of lining up and going where I tell you to go. Right, right. And so that's what I like about that drill as much as anything is you get to go with scent. Right. And I had somebody actually message me this week and ask, how do I teach a dog to poke? Like when they didn't see a mark. And there's another good reason. There's another good way to work on, you know, lining up and going where I send you. But I told him it was consistency and communication. And, and it, that was what and you're and doing. You're is. developing communication in this drill That's you're right. doing. That, that, the way, you know, easy, sending hard, sending soft, send, you know, it, that, that is like the highest level of communication with your dog that you can get into is when you, when you line them up. They know a mark happened, but they don't know where it is. That's when it's, it, it, when it works out, it's the coolest thing in the world, you know, because you know that you had a hand in that dog getting that bird. And, and it surprises, I'm sure you have it all. It surprises me how often I get those birds. But but you got to realize, but think of the hours we've spent sending those dogs off on mark and trying to be consistent to doing it the same. I agree. Consistency and, and communication is, is key to getting that poking hope. But this just gives you that little advantage of helping them line up for it and whatnot. Right. Right. Very good stuff. Yep. Very good stuff. And yes. I think that is a good drill. I don't necessarily – I have places to do it, but, man, I'd have to drive. You know, I got 20 acres here, but it doesn't lay out to where I can lay, put that drill out there. Oh, no, it takes frown. That's that's a mm-hmm. big problem with it. It's very similar. If people's having trouble understanding it, I tell you, you can get part of this from a two-tiered wagon wheel drill also, if you know what that is. You can do the wagon wheel, and then you can do the two, two-tier where they're going – between the whites to the orange, it's virtually that at 100 yards or 150 yards. Right. And that, yeah. you know, now that you mentioned that, I was going to say one of my favorite drills is the wagon wheel lining drill, the push-pull, you know, here, yeah. here, heel, lining, you know, get your spine, your head, and your attitude pointed in that direction, and this is where we're going. Um, and I start that drill out with four bumpers all 90 yeah. degrees apart and then i'll bring in eight bumpers and and then i quit with eight jim and and i know that that ray vode and and um all those guys do those you know 16 bumpers where they go in between the white ones to the orange ones and all that um yeah and i for me personally you know i just do the eight and then i try to perfect it from there the other i just found out where i was getting too much like Right, they'll look at this one, and I'll be like, here. Then they'll look at this other white one. There was a lot of moving here, 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 you know, and it just got confusing to me. And um, those guys just better than me. I do eight, 
And then I move on and start applying what I taught them there into the field. And I feel like they end up being pretty good lining dogs. Um, yeah. You know, eventually. So, you know, for us, Jim, we run hunt tests. If they're off 10 degrees, then we'll let them get out there. We'll get If they're off 10 degrees, we're going to get the better part of the blind in the initial line, then stop in a couple of casts, and we got it where 10 degrees off at 400 yards, you're going to be way off. Way off. Yeah, yeah you're getting so, a quick whistle that's noticeable. Right, so a guy that's field trialing and 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 it has to do the, the bigger things that in competition, I feel like you'll see those guys want to be a little bit more precise than, than that. So maybe that's why they do the um, 16 or 32 or those tiered type deals. But I just do the – just do the eight. My dog learns how to move with me, communicate with me, keep his head still. Boom, away you go, and then you can. Yeah. Then you have a tool to use in the field. Yeah, so that's yeah. one of my drills. No, what else you got, Jim? I do. I tell you a drill that uh, I do probably as much or more than anything is my steady drill. I like a dog who's steady. I, that's one thing I learned a long time ago. They can mark. They, they can do way better. People enjoy hunting with them more. Everything comes good when they're steady. And I do a, a steady drill. Steve Eric, a uh, good friend of mine, a guy who uh, taught me a steady drill where if he does it by himself, I've seen it done where you can stand and have your bird boy do it and pick it up, or you can do it yourself. But it's simply set the dog at remote, walk away. And, and, like, as a young dog, when you first start to steady, it's a cool drill because you can leave the rope on the dog, say, walk 20 yards away from him and throw the bumper. If he's on your – if he's in front of you, you'd kind of throw the bumper behind you so the dog has to come by you if he was to break on it. And you can stop him and put him back and pick up the bumper yourself. And, and they learn to set perfectly still before they get that bumper. And you, and you, you perfect the bumper where they'll sit there without moving. And they realize they're not going to get everyone because even if they sit still, you can walk and pick it up, and you get them to the point where you can bounce those bumpers right on all around them, and they'll just sit perfectly still. Right. And when they start sitting perfectly still, you can start calling their name and allow them to have a bumper. And then I have I increase that through a duck call and a bumper, a duck call and a shot, all the way up to the point of a live flyer, and mm-hmm. they're sitting there steady in their self. Yeah. That's- so that's a good. That's a good steady drill. Uh, I do that somewhere around, I don't know, right before we run seasoned. Right. Yeah. I, I do that drill too. And it's, we're going to talk about this here toward the end, but it's hard to just take time to stop and do that drill because it's a three or four day process, basically five days, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's all week to really yeah. get any meat out of that thing, you're going. You need to do it every day for a week, anyway. Yeah, right. absolutely. So, uh, we'll talk about balancing drills and and your training regiment a little bit later on. Um, but a very good drill, Jim. Another one for me would be the poison bird no no drill that Lauren taught me um, a while back, and you can actually go to my Instagram page and scroll down to where we posted like three different segments of a dog doing those drills, and you see that dog in the real-life setting doing it. Um, but it's a communication drill on poison birds, you know, um, to where eventually you get to run right past it, and um, the dog's learning how to, to, to not pick it up and then go pick it up, and it knows what 
the words mean that are coming out of your mouth more so than just, you know, it's actual communication. It's daggum impressive to me that we can even talk to these dogs and get them to this level. But um, it would be so hard for me to, to explain it um, to everybody over the phone. But if you can go there to Instagram, watch those three videos, let Lauren talk you through it, I feel like you'll like that drill too. But it's one of my favorites. Great, great drill. Right. Yes, sir. Absolutely. All right, Jim, bring us one more of your favorites. That'd be three apiece and and we'll we'll move on. I was sitting here I was sitting here thinking, and I'm gonna be honest, I don't do a ton of drills. Yeah. The wag, the, you know, we're talking about the wagon with a nine point. Uh I do like in marking one that I do every spring, getting my young dogs going in is the wide drill and mark. Teaching the dog to hunt the different angles off of the gun. Yeah, I don't do that, but yeah, I know what you're talking about. That, yep. I do that just once or twice every spring just to get them back in hunt mode where they learn to hunt flat of the gun, hunt short of the gun, and hunt deep of the gun. Uh, I don't do it a ton, but that's one that, that, that I see some benefit out of it on certain dogs, but that would probably be one that I would, if you had time to set and perfect, it would be a good one to do. Right. That's right. And yeah. I just teach them to mark, and when we get to angle in throws, we just cross our fingers that we can wind it or, or stumble on it as we're going by it. If not, we just handle <laughs> Just saying, uh, just right. Hey, I'm gonna have to handle on that one. We seen one a few weeks yeah. ago, and I think I ran four dogs and handled 50 percent of them on that bird. And you know, it is what it is. I don't, I don't throw angle in birds. You can't be great at the angle in bird and great at the angle back bird at the same time, in my opinion. So, yeah, you see more thrown back. So that's what I, that's if, what I tend to be stronger at. If you're running a lot of HRC, you might. I would recommend training on. Right. As you see a lot of. And I don't. If you're running a lot of master tests, I would probably, it would be less apt to see it. Right. Not say you won't, because I always do, but you'd be less apt to see it in the master test than you would. Um, an HRC test, they're pretty pretty common. Right, right. All right, so what about how often do you use drills? Like, how do you balance drills versus going to the field and, and doing setups and training in that type scenario? Uh, you've already said you don't do a ton of drills. I'm going to say 99% field work and 1% drills. <laughs> I don't know percentage on mine, but it's field work heavy for sure. And it ain't that, that I think there's anything wrong with doing drills. I think it's actually good. I think the amateur should be doing a lot of drills, should be very good at drills. To me, that's why Butch Herb and his Boykins are so good. Is because he does his field work, and along with that, he's very drill-oriented also with those guys. So they do all of the little things correctly, and that tends to add up down the line. And, and I, I don't think I do enough drills. I personally don't think so. No, I agree. I'm, I'm the same, and every year I say I'm going to try to do more drills. Uh, I don't. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Same here. You almost have to say, hey, look, today we're going to do this drill. And, and and that's what you do that day. Um, it ain't I'm going to yeah. do this drill with 25 and then go throw a set of marks. That's pretty much 
eats up the vast majority of your day. Um, exactly. I, I would say the KRD is the drill that I visit the most because it is more of a a drill in the field versus a drill like a wagon wheel or a poison bird no-no drill. Um, and going back, I'm going to backtrack a little bit. How often do we do these drills that we talked about? I I like to visit that poison bird no-no drill twice a year with my guys that have completed it already, you know. And then usually – well, usually one day for them, and they, they've cleaned it up. And where in the younger dog it may take two or three days to teach it. So um, – Yeah. But as far as ba- and the- balance and putting it into into the training regiment, I probably say I do. Um, I'm gonna say ninety to ten, or or eighty five to fifteen, not ninety nine to one. Probably fifteen percent of the time I do some type of drill. Yeah, it's probably more like that. I do. I'm time of year oriented with that too. You know, in the spring I do a lot of, you know, uh, key relationships. Right. To start running, we're training. I'm in the field. Yeah, yeah, I think so. Not a hundred percent of the time this time of year. Right, but if I if you had two or three dogs, you got a lot more time to do more drills than than a than a pro would with a whole truck full. So, yeah, that's why I think the amateurs should should pass a lot, a high yeah. percent because they have the time to to really be good at it. You know. Last year, I had a couple of dogs with some set issues. <laughs> I had not done the basics on them. And I done like that uh, uh, bird boy, you know, that drill with the bird boy blinds and tighten up my sets. And I, I use it for more of, oh, no, I need something to help out. You know, like I get a dog running up in master and it's not giving me good lines. I made a couple of mornings running squat and do uh, eight your wagon wheel just to help build a little communication you know right uh, you know i'd love i have i have never had the opportunity to spend a lot of time doing like uh, uh what is it uh, tune-up type stuff you know tune-up drills laying the water tune-up drills and all yeah i just but if if i had two or three i would do that to a fall you know i think it'd be i think it'd be a great idea right if you had time to do it I think, you know, as far as those tune-up drills, if you have the place to do it right there at your kennel. And and what I'm trying to say is you can do – if I come in today, I've got 30 minutes. I can do five today, and I can do five tomorrow, and I could get them all done this week. But yeah. I'm not good at consistently doing every one of them like that consistently. So maybe yeah. if one's problematic, I may do it. And I found out – I was doing a little tune-up blind drill over here at Mr. Horsley's, and it was my dogs were too comfortable not in the water, so I kind of backed off of that. And I would I would redo my my blinds if I ever did it again. If I ever started to do it again, I would change my blinds up some. Put a little more effort not in the water. That's right. Put a little bit more in the water in it than less in the water because I was I was very out of balance to the water, you know. You couldn't put any water blind out that I probably couldn't run past the point, on the point, off the point. But if you want me to run down the land and not get in, 
I, I struggled big time, as in yeah. would fail. So I had to find some sort of balance there, and I feel like that helped me, but I don't want them just 100% comfortable <laughs> running down through there. They'll do that before you train them. So. Yeah. If they run that one and try it, that's okay. <laughs> That's right. I want them looking back like, oh, are you sure about this uh, when they're going down through there? So We got I, you on two pops. I'm like, yeah, he popped because he don't know what's fixing to happen. <laughs> You're right, he popped. All right, Jim, how often, moving on, how often do you use birds in training with your hunt test dogs? I feel like I got a good inclination that this is going to be a, a lot. Uh, 100%. Yeah. Yeah, I, I throwed this year while I've been up north, probably three days. I throwed, uh, I throwed the, I got Dawkins, the twelve, I got twelve of those Dawkins ducks. Yeah, first time that first time they've been used in two years. <laughs> Had to get Clorox to mold off of them, didn't you? Oh, they stunk so bad. Them dogs could smell them better than <laughs> no dead rotten ducks, man. <laughs> Oh, I love it. And and same here. I use ducks a, a vast, vast majority of the time. But um, when I am developing my hunt test dogs, from younger to going into transition, I will throw white cones a lot because I want to oh, teach yeah. those young dogs to use their eyes before they become so dependent on their nose. And then ultimately they go into the fall looking and using their nose versus running in, putting their nose on the ground and running circles. So. Um, yes, but once yeah, once have, once they get to the the hippies and the dollies and those guys, they get and the chiefs, they get they get ducks a very very high percentage of the time. So, yeah. one thing, and I'm not saying you can't do it on plastic because there's been some great dogs trained on plastic, and and I believe that I know I know it's capable you know it's, it's capable of doing that. But my mind is, if it's a bird dog, it takes a bird. You know, you ain't training no English pointer. On a on a plastic dummy, you know they're not they're not going to play with that thing. They're yeah. looking for a bird, and I think the Labrador Retriever is there too. Uh, yeah, use the plastic, and our buddy Ronnie Lee told me he said I was amazed at how intense those dogs went looking for that plastic. You know, they wanted it as bad as most of them want a duck. You know, and and I get that, but I, I still think over time you you would diminish some drive if you weren't using ducks pretty often. In my opinion, if you're throwing real marks and real blinds, you better have some you better have some birds out there for. You. Right? No, I I totally yeah. agree. Um, yeah, one hundred percent agree. How many? How often do you get a dog to where it gets to a seasoned or senior level? And then ends up being a washout. It can't go any further. It doesn't have the ability to go any further. How often does that happen? I don't know what the percentage is. It would be pretty low, pretty pretty low, uh, but it happens. Uh, that right there is a is a breaking point. Uh, some dogs just can't handle the the multiple marks. You know, never had it in the blinds i've never really had it in the obedience it's always just the dogs just weren't capable of marking at that level usually it's just a, a natural desire that dog is weak enough it don't want them bad enough to try right so there is a percentage i wouldn't know what near what the percentage it'd be very small but it 
most time I would recognize that early and try to try to tell the client way before we got to that level that he got one that ain't no good. Right. And I would say it probably happens more trying to get to the master level versus finished. I feel like it. Um, you, it'll take, you can take a lesser dog and go do finished versus being a, um, a lesser dog going and do master. Am I, I wrong? Uh, I, no, I agree with you. You agree? So, yeah. you know, we don't see it a lot, but because a lot of times we, before it ever gets to that point, we're like, hey, he's got to get out of here. Let's get you a hammer. Let's get you something better. Yeah. If you want to play, let's get you something we can play with. And that's right. That's the way I look at it. Um, yeah. And a lot of times it's folks so have sentimental ties to a dog and all that. Hey, and I, and I get it. I get it. So we keep training that one, but if if not, we're gonna get you a a humdinger. Yeah. Yeah. My advice is if you're a pro trainer, if you're using a professional, and he tells you that that dog is not gonna make it very far, he, he ain't telling you that because you know it, that's what we make our living. The ones that makes it, you know, if he feels like it's not, he most of the time it's it's pretty close to accurate, you know. Some of them I have kicked in, but most of the time it's uh, they they go. He can if they've been training very long here. She's been training very long as a pro. It won't take them too many too long to let you know how far they're going to make. Right. Having somebody new who's learning, they might you know might miss it. But the average guy's been training for years, trained a bunch of them, will pick that up pretty quick. Pretty pretty quick. All yeah. right, let's finish with this right here, Jim. If you can give an amateur one gold nugget, what would it be? Uh, shoot. Out of all the stuff that if I could teach, that I see the most common is, is teach that dog to sit steady and be quiet. Right? Start from the beginning. Concentrate on that dog being quiet and steady on the line. My manners is key. That, that would be my advice. And I could, you know, we've gone over a million times how to do it, but that's the one I would concentrate the most on. Right. Because that's that's where most of the time I see an amateur having trouble, the dogs are usually very good, actually. As good or better than what you or I would be running because they've got a lot of one-on-one training, but they, they just can't get through the, you know, sitting there and the keeping quiet stage. Not enough discipline. So, just not enough discipline, man. They got to they be quiet and disciplined and concentrate on that. The dogs that are good can do the marking and the blinds put a lot of effort on keeping it all quiet and sitting still. That'd be my my one thing. I'd, if I could talk to every amateur, that's what I'd tell them. All right. And mine would be, I'm going to go back to Rex Carr on this, train for momentum and let perfection arrive. Um, he, I, That was one of his sayings. If you train for perfection, momentum will depart. If you train for momentum, perfection will arrive so hey it don't have to be done tonight get one percent better every day and let that perfection come with time and repetition and lean on paul sletton run that dog when it's ready to be run you'll have a, a dog that's under control that sits well you'll have a dog that's stylish and wants to go do the work train for momentum let perfection arrive that's my gold nugget right there so there you go well, yeah, very important. Very important. And we'll uh, – and, and, ooh, one more go, Nugget, before we go. Let them sleep on the water. 
heard that from uh, from 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 Leadhead over there. You know, if you do a good water set and and they do well, let them sleep on it. Don't undo it. Yeah, I mean, and don't don't take them off off of a water set and beat them up on some minute thing that brings them down. That's right. That's let right. Them, let them end on a good note. Do that water and, and then let them think about it. So, hey, Jim, what a, what another great episode. That was about about 35, 40 minutes of uh, good information. Um, good deal. Didn't cost nobody a dime. So how about that? There you go. There you go, Adam. Y'all, y'all go have a good day. I know you got stuff to do. I'm, I'm traveling. I'm in downtown Cleveland as we speak. <laughs> All right, buddy. You be careful. Hey, 100,000 downloads. How about that, Jim? Amazing. Guys, thank y'all so much. Thank y'all so much, man. It's a um, it's a real honor, ain't it, Jim? Unbelievable. Unbelievable. Can't wait to see, man. Thank you, Jimbo. We'll talk soon. Welcome, Adam. We out of here. Y'all be safe. See y'all.